I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Another episode. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> right? And we're mm-hmm. t- jumping into Hunger Action Month. Right. At Feeding Tampa Bay, what we want to do is everyone to pay attention to ways during this month that you can take action. Mm-hmm. But what's really important is wherever you're listening to us, we want you to take action somewhere. Yeah. Right, so wherever you are, find an organization that helps food put food on tables, and we want to encourage that this month. So both of our shows will be about this. So I'm super excited because our BFF is coming in <laughs> like the craziest, best volunteer ever. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> um, met him when he was emceeing, so we'll start off talking about that background. But Don. Welcome to well, the thank show. You. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you. I obviously I remember you on ABC Action News. Um, so tell us a little bit about your career, um, where you started. Well, I started a podunk little radio station in Melbourne, Florida, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> I was a TV reporter with ABC Action News for 18 years. Uh, my daughter was graduating high school back in 2012, and I decided, you know, I'm at that point in my career where I don't have to work unless I want to work. Mm-hmm. I was still pretty young. I was like 50, and I said, maybe I'm, it's time to just go give back to the community. So right. I decided, let me start giving back instead of taking the community. Look, when I was a TV reporter, I saw the best that Tampa Bay had to offer, but I saw the worst that Tampa Bay yeah. had to offer. Mm-hmm. I saw the impact that uh, organizations like Feeding Tampa Bay or Metropolitan Ministries or Ronald McDonald House or yes. Tampa Bay Beautiful, I saw the impact they had on the community. And I thought, man, I should be part of that impact. So I retired just to become a full-time volunteer. And I literally now volunteer five days a week across Tampa Bay. And about six or eight times a year, I travel the world to volunteer. Wow. Which we, I want to hear about all those experiences, but I want you don't pe- have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make the time. I find it, I find it fascinating that um, you had a really successful career here. You're known for something specific at ABC Action News. Share that. Mm. I'm known for having the biggest mouth. No, I'm known for. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves him, am, by the way. I am known as the hurricane reporter. Yes. Uh, when the big brass of hurricanes hit in 2004. I was the guy who was staying in the at ground zero the whole time. Mm-hmm. When Hurricane Charlie hit in Port Charlotte or Punta Gorda, uh, I was the only broadcaster in America who could pro- broadcast live for about the first six hours. Wow. Oh, wow. And so I was all over the board. I was on CNN and the Weather Channel and yeah. ABC National and, of course, ABC Action News locally. Yeah. And I just uh, started making a name for myself then. And then you had three successive hurricanes in the next th- four weeks, and... It just blew up from there. So I became known as the hurricane guy. Yep. Uh, I had a catchphrase called hunker down. It's time to hunker down. It's time to hunker down. They started playing drinking games every time Don said hunker down on TV. (laughs) had to do a shot. I Uh, love it. It really kind of got embarrassing after a while. Well, it's Uh, fun. It's making the most of it, right? And to this day, 20 years later, more than 20 years later, about 20 years later, people still recognize me all around the world. Oh, wow. Um, I was in Windsor Castle in England. And somebody walks up to me, my wife and daughter with me, and somebody walks up to me and says, hunker down. <laughs> and I look down and says, thanks a lot. He says, I know you. I was in uh, Peru getting ready to boat, board a riverboat uh, to go up the Amazon to deliver medical supplies in an Indian village. And just a total stranger walks up to me and says, I know you. And I said, it's possible. Mm. He says, you're right. from Florida, aren't you? 
I said, yeah. And I said, you're that guy. That's what I get mostly. You're that you're guy. That guy. You're, you're that, that guy. guy. You're that guy. You're that crazy guy. I'm, I'm that guy. And then he said, hurricanes. You stand in hurricanes. Yeah. You stand in hurricanes. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, yes, I so do. it's led to some fame, some bar- embarrassing moments, but some happy moments. Sure. I, I don't regret anything I did in TV. I loved it. It was a great run for 18 years. And I don't regret what I'm doing now. I love what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned TV that you saw the best and the worst. Have you seen media change um, for the better? I've been doing this a minute, too. <laughs> In the past 10 years, I don't think, well, let's talk, you know, media has not changed for the better in my mind. It's become more immediate and more instant, but I think we've lost the art of storytelling and we've lost the art of detail uh, since the advent of the internet and making right. sure everything gets on immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would used to hold a great story uh, till six o'clock at night when we did the six o'clock news or even 11 o'clock right. uh, and really work it and really work it, develop details, double check, triple check sources. And now you have that urgency to get it on as soon as you have the information. So literally 15 minutes after you get the information, you're trying to go live with something, right. go on with something. And you lack the detail, you lack the depth, uh, you lack the ability to get more information. So I, I think in that way, it's cheapened news. That doesn't mean it's necessarily worse. I mean, you, you get it instantly, you get it faster. Right. But you lose a lot of the storytelling. Lose a little bit of the, and heart. that's the same in, in newspaper. When you think about it, now there's newspaper har- hardly exists now yeah. because right. they don't have the ad revenue because everyone's switching their ad revenue to the internet, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that's the just digital. a change. Yeah. It is social platforms and all of that has yeah. just changed the way I mean, we look, approach look, things. We're we're on the internet right now, so <laughs> in this right, way, it's, it's good. Exactly, we get to oh, have yeah. stories like I this. I mean, it's and, and like everything, them, good yeah, and this, bad. And this right? is a great conversation. So in that way, it's great. This is a fantastic change. Right. You could never do this on TV, or maybe like three o'clock on Sunday morning. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's public access. Do it, right? You know. Remember those? But, <laughs> right. So this is kind of neat because not only can we have this conversation and talk about the cool things that you can do to help make the world a better place, mm-hmm. but someone at home can watch it on demand whenever they want, right. and that's really kind of neat. Right, it is. It's kind of like uh, we were talking about series coming out mm-hmm. because I'm a Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones fan, mm-hmm. and it used to be Sundays at a certain time you had to sit down. You almost made parties around it, but yeah. now because <laughs> it flips on in the middle of the day on that given day, you can watch it at your leisure, right. or you, you really can't power watch it. They've got a little control on that, but yeah. things have changed <laughs> quite a bit, quite a bit. So... Still getting to know you personally. Okay. Okay. Um, tell us about your family. Uh, I have a wife and I have a daughter. My daughter is 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the light of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, she has a successful career in St. Petersburg. Uh, she's still a little bit of a mama's girl, but I yeah, can't, but there's nothing I can't wrong with that. About that. They're, they're literally best friends. Aww. Yeah, they'll they text are. each other and call each other three or four times a day. I get a call when my daughter needs money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's classic. That's classic. You're a good dad then. Um, but there's something unique about um, you and I your know beautiful what bride. At, so. <laughs> so, because uh, I know y'all, I just I, think this is a wonderful story. So tell my, it. I have been married to my wife twice. Mm. We were married for 12 years. We got divorced for 14 years, mm. and we remarried again. Seven years ago last month. Oh, wow. So Congrats. we've been married twice. You came back. Yep. Came back together, which I know your daughters, because every time I see you guys, you're all, most always, 
together. Mm. So that's really kind of cool because my daughter got to be my wife's maid of honor. Oh, wow. At her second wedding. Aww. Uh, she also decided to plan the uh, bachelorette party. <laughs> Big mistake there. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wanted a hand in planning the wedding. Mm-hmm. Big mistake there. But again, she was 20 years old at the time. And yeah. thinking, oh, wow, this would be so cool. <laughs> well, I can imagine how exciting and thrilling it is to see your parents reconnect. Um, is it really different this time just because it's a different time in your life is it um you know i think when we're younger the stressors that we have but then maybe when you reconnected it's like you're more of best friends rather we were best friends while we were divorced too which was kind of weird so when we got divorced um my daughter was i guess i don't know eight years old ten years old something like that and we didn't want her to feel like she was the cause of the absolutely so we would always plan a dinner together as a whole family every week, yeah. uh, usually on Thursday nights. We would plan a vacation together as a family every summer, a cruise or a trip to fill in the blank, mm-hmm. just the three of us yeah. for one week. Yeah. Um, and we would plan every holiday together. We'd send Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine's Day, New Year's, 4th of July. All our holidays were spent together as a family. So we did that to make sure our daughter realized that even though we weren't living together, mm-hmm. she was still important to our lives and we were still friends. And we kind of remained best friends for the whole 14 years of divorce. And at one point we decided, you know what, let's get married again. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. And how wonderful for her. I'm very... Um, you know, you hear the horror stories that kids go through through divorce, and I'm similar, I think, in personality to you guys because I am friendly um, with my kid's dad, and I we do spend holidays together, and my in-laws import, input is important to me. We're still a family, if you will, which is exactly how you treated it. I just wish more people would look at it that way, and it's really through that lens of that kid. Like, Quick wedding story. For them? Yeah. So she gives the toast at the wedding, mm-hmm. and she picks up the champagne glass and looks at the whole room. There's about 150 people there, and she says to him, as deadpan as you can imagine, I'm so glad you could all make it to my parents' wedding because I was unable to attend the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Father's daughter. And then she turns to me and she looks at me and she said, now that you've married my mother, does that make you my stepfather? (laughs) (laughs) And to this day, in her phone, I'm listed as stepfather. (laughs) Oh, I love it. She definitely has, you know, your sense sense of humor. So when you guys are getting together, I want to ask this question in two different ways. Okay, it's about memories around the table. So what is your favorite memory around the table here at home? Thanksgiving dinner. It's always been my favorite holiday. It's always been my favorite meal because I love turkey and Mm -hmm. stuffing and mashed potatoes and the green bean casserole, the whole nine large. And I also love uh, helping other people. I know that as far back as I can remember, uh, and in the TV business, we're a very transient business. So Mm -hmm. there's always somebody who's just moved to town and doesn't have any place to go for a big... Right. For a, so I would always invite the new guy or the new guys or the new girls. Mm-hmm. And we would have 10 or 12 or 14 people for Thanksgiving dinner. But it would really just be the three, my wife and daughter and then a pe- group of relative strangers who just had no place else to go. Mm-hmm. And Aww. we fed them for Thanksgiving. And we developed lifelong friendships by doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. And we Open did it for the door Thanksgiving. For we did it for Christmas. And I just thought that was a really cool thing to do mm-hmm. is just open up your home to somebody who has no place else to go. Mm-hmm. And that may be the root of where I started thinking about giving. Right. Yeah. And I will, and full disclosure, somebody did that to me the Christmas that I moved to Florida. So I moved to Florida before I got married. I was 
22, 23 years old, my first, second job in radio, and I moved to Melbourne, Florida, a podunk little radio station, and some neighbors in the apartment complex where I met said, we met them at, by the pool, and they mm-hmm. said, what are you doing for Christmas? And I said, I have nothing to do. Uh, I just moved here. Mm. He said, come to our house. And, right. And so that's where feel. I got the idea, yeah. and I've been doing it ever since. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So here in town, and we'll get to the other, if you go out, where's your favorite place as a family? Wouldn't that be giving a plug? <laughs> I mean, uh, let me say, let me the fair. What type of food? Let's go, oh, let's yeah. do that uh, rather. Italian food is our best. Yeah. there you go. And we have three Italian restaurants that are our go-to places, and we and we know the owners, we know the managers. Mm-hmm. We go so much. We love Italian food. That's okay. You I'm, can tell us the three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, honestly, you can. What are the three that are your favorites? There's a lot of wonderful Italian restaurants. Della Pasta, which is in, I go there. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, Positano's, which is in Palm Harbor. Yum. Yeah. And Villaggio, which is on US 41 in Lutz. Yep, I've been so there, those too. Are three. And I have three steakhouses, because steak is our second favorite. So I have <laughs> okay. three go-to steakhouses that I just always Which ones? To. Capital Grill, love Capital Grill. Yep. Fleming's, love Fleming's. Yes. And I would love Burns, but I can never get in. <laughs> That's the story for everybody. So but Burns, if you're watching, let me in. <laughs> right? And But what you're saying, two of them... Fleming's and Capitol Grill, no matter where you're listening, you could probably find one if yes. you're in a larger city to try out if you haven't been there. It's definitely worth it. And the other um, is Charlie's. And I started oh. falling in love with Charlie's because they do a lot of volunteer work oh. with wheelchairs for kids and Ronald McDonald House. And oh. I've actually emceed events there uh, for those uh, agencies. And right. I've started going there mostly because, you know what, if they're giving back to the community, I'm going to give them some of my money too. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now, do you cook? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, my wife is still working (laughs) while I'm technically retired, so I do most of the cooking. Oh, very good. So what's your best dish that you create that you get the best response and get the most joy from, if you will? Uh, Honestly, roast turkey at Thanksgiving, and I do a... I'm going to be thinking about that as your holiday from now on. I'm going to be thinking about Dawn every time Thanksgiving comes around. I do a Chateaubriand or a beef tenderloin at Christmas. So those are my two biggies. But for general everyday food, people love my barbecue. So I'm I'm not talking pulled pork or chicken. Mm. I throw burgers and dogs on the grill and... There's nothing wrong with that. But they enjoy it. (laughs) The rest of my food really kind of (laughs) sucks. Right? You're you're like the main course guy. I get get by. I mean. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds yummy. (laughs) So we're here for this show, and we're talking about taking action. So you kind of described a little bit on what brought you to where you are. How long have you been volunteering at Feeding Tampa Bay specifically, and what do you do here? Uh, Feeding Tampa Bay, I've been here since 2012. My daughter graduated high school. Uh, the last day of school was May 18th, I think May 19th, mm-hmm. I started volunteering. So my first place to volunteer was Metropolitan Ministries, then Ronald McDonald House, and then I came here. And when I came here, I started sorting food, um, just like yeah. every other new time volunteer. And um, to this day, I, I still sort food every now and then. Mm-hmm. Right. Most often now, you'll find me uh, working in the public community market, mm-hmm. and I'm there every Tuesday morning, and my job is to just make sure food banks and agencies from around 
the 10 counties we serve mm -hmm. get all the food they need. Yeah. Uh, they love me because I will give them extra food. Mm -hmm. The staff right. here hates me because I will give them extra food. <laughs> but yeah, the way I but figured, there's a little grace given I, on that. They, yeah, and in, in my mind, the food does us no good in the warehouse. Yeah. It does the right. most good. And if they're going to actually use it and not waste it, I'm going to give them as much as I right. can. Yeah. And this is and giving this, to partners, right? Yes, the partners. Okay. Uh, so it's churches and soup kitchens and uh, food banks, and it's just so nice to be able to give them the stuff. Yeah. They need. And we got to the point where I know what each one needs. Yeah. Like uh, a kid's place is a, I, I hate to say orphanage, but it's a place where children go when they their parents are either in jail or have abandoned them. Mm -hmm. And so I will make sure yeah. to look for food that they like. They yeah. like frozen pizzas. They like they the frozen chicken wings and and. Eggos, they love Eggo waffles. So when hey, I see I'm those, I'm a pop tart girl. You could always I, throw some pop tarts. I will in always there. pull some aside and make sure that it's not gone by the, the time kids. they get there. Yeah. And I do that for any agency where I know um, there's a need. Like Kingdom Kids always has a need for snack foods and juice boxes. Mm -hmm. And if I can pull some aside for them, right. and I have a special spot in my heart for kids mm -hmm. and yeah. vets. So and vets, we know that they need bread. Uh, I know there's a guy who does um, an AA group and he always needs donuts for his AA group oh, yeah. with their coffee. So yeah. I'll make sure there's a couple boxes of donuts set aside so that when he holds the AA meeting, they do that. And that's, I think, the reason that I connect with them because I want to make sure that they can find what they need here right. and take it back to the people who really need it. And it's really cool to do that. It makes me feel good and it makes them feel good. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've recently been out for three weeks because I had some knee surgery, mm -hmm. and I got started getting texts today. Uh, <laughs> like, we're taping this on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. so it's the third week in a row I haven't been in, so I'm getting texts from the people who, the partners who come to the agent, where are you? Is everything okay? <laughs> oh, no. Right? They're worried yeah. about you. Yeah, you're so you're a friend. Yeah. You are. Exactly. You're a friend. You're here consistently. Yeah. They can count on you. Mm -hmm. You pay attention and address their needs individually, which is we all should have the dignity and respect of that. Um, and working with our partners, which is really interesting. Here in Tampa Bay, we have over 400 partners that help us distribute food. Like um, last year, you know, we're all still in awe that we were able to get 95 million meals out into the community. Mm -hmm. Well, it certainly wasn't our program group that did a lot of that. That heavy lifting came from the partners like you're talking about. Although speaking sure. of, special thanks to Trinity Cafe, mm -hmm. which oh, is yeah. part of Feeding Tampa yes. Bay. They've recently opened their third kitchen, and yep. I volunteer there every Wednesday. And I develop the same kind of relationship yeah. with the individual people who come because I see them every week. Yep. I know what they want. Yeah. I know. You know how many's in their family. I've watched you do this. We did the WEDU thing. Yeah. So you were handing out food to the drive up because some people are still more comfortable with drive up and the families know you. We usually have to ask how many in the car, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just a beautiful thing to connect with um, those you're taking care of, yeah. which you do. And a lot of it is it's their only social act interaction of the day for many of them. A lot of yeah. them are shut-ins except for coming up to get their food. Yeah. Uh, so it's Especially nice to at have Trinities. even a 30-second conversation. Hey, how are you? How's the dog? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it, it, right. Things like that. It, I care and I remember. Mm -hmm. yeah, it mm -hmm. makes and a I, difference. And I'm listening, right? Yeah. I'm listening to you. I learned that. I started, of course, at Trinity Cafe before the merger, and I learned so much just as a human being by um, serving someone at a table or sitting down at a table and being a host and, and that those conversations conversations um, was very enlightening to me. So from a volunteer perspective, for me, that helped enrich my soul, mm. right? Open my eyes to others, a more, better understanding of someone's circumstances. Someone else has a story. So going out into my daily life, 
I have more patience with everyone else. I'm always yeah. the one give 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 them grace. We don't know what their day's like, right. you know, or or what have you. So it just um, lends to a better life, yeah? yeah, all the way around. You know, everybody's grandmother or someone in their life when they were like three or four years old told them it is better to give than to receive. Yes. And until you do a lot of giving, you don't realize how cool it is to give. Right, right, and how it makes you feel and grow. Mm -hmm. And then you're an impact for for just anyone who comes into your path, much like you are. (laughs) So we're talking about Feeding Tampa Bay. We're talking about we have all these partners. What I find super cool is you spend your couple of days with us, one at the food bank, one at Trinity Cafe. Then we have partners that we provide the food for. And a partner with Feeding Tampa Bay, um, anyone who partners with us is held up to a standard. There's safety. There's how we address people, dignity and respect. So we're all clearly from the start in this together. You're with some of our partners, too. Yeah, actually, uh, three or four of them. I still volunteer with Metropolitan Ministries, mm-hmm. which is a huge partner. Uh, it is. They just have such a huge reach. Mm. But some of the smaller food pantries I've started volunteering for. Um, the Harbor Church, they have a food pantry that reaches about 80 families a week, and I help them out as best I can. Mm-hmm. And every Thursday, I'm at Maddie Williams Center, which is in Safety Harbor, and they do about 125 families every week. And it's so much fun. I do simple things like I just pack their groceries like right. a, a public bag boy. Mm. I put them in the car. Yep. But they remember you. They, they want to develop conversations with you. And it's the same thing at Trinity Cafe. A 30-second conversation just goes miles. Mm. These right. are people who don't want to be begging for food. Yeah. Right. And they're embarrassed about driving up to yeah. get food. And if you can just talk to them like a regular human being, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. I see a guy wearing a raised cap. You're a raised fan, so am I. That, <laughs> right. Simple things like that. Right. Just simple conversations. I ended up connecting with one woman. We went to the same high school in Newton, Massachusetts. Massachusetts about a million years ago. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Different wow. times, but we actually had the same, one or two of the same teachers. Wow. You make those kind of connections. Wow. It's just bizarre. Man. Uh, there's, there was one uh, Korean woman who lost her husband, and she's just been heartbroken, and her son um, went to University of Florida, so now she's all alone, mm. and we're the only people she talks to every single week. Oh, man. And so it's nice to be able to, uh, yeah. I give her an extra little bit of time. Cause, right, because you yeah. know. Exactly. And you take the time to listen and ask and find out, too. And, you know, that's one of the neat things. Every one of us can talk. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this and listening to this, you have the most important skill it needs to be a good giver in this community. You can talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can listen. The two things you need. Yeah. Give someone that peace and dignity for just that moment, that direct eye contact. I used to always wear sunglasses. Oh, yeah. Many years ago, I was told that that is, you know, we always say the window to your soul. You need to share that with everyone unless it's medically necessary. But for someone to see your eyes and expression and you're in tune with them You know, once so long ago, we were all wearing masks because of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. But you could tell when someone's smiling with their eyes. Yes. And so we would tell jokes, and you could, you knew when someone... In fact, yeah. I, my big gig when we were all masked up is, I want to see a smile. <laughs> and you could tell that automatically makes them smile because yes. you can see it in their yeah. eyes. It is the coolest thing in the world. Just yeah. to it is. make it, someone smile. It most definitely is. So we're talking about home. You do a lot at home. Um, you also MC events because, of course, taking from that background, which is where we met for the first time. Yeah, my first volunteer um, opportunities in Tampa Bay came from MCing events. Um, every organization has a fundraiser or a charity guy where they need somebody with a presence who can talk on a microphone and not yeah. be embarrassed and not embarrass the organization. Right. So I really started uh, MCing long before I started doing anything else. 
Um, and I've been doing that probably since 2000. Uh, and it's a nice way to give back. And, you know, a, a professional MC will cost $2,000. An auctioneer may cost $5,000. Wow. I do it for free because right. it's just a way to give back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've been doing that. I still do that probably 15, 20 times a year. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so a really interesting thing that you do, and I think, um, you know, we don't talk all the time, but we're social friends. So I see all these interesting things that you do and I have in the past, but um, you travel overseas and volunteer as well. You use part of that vacation. Tell us about that and how you choose what you do. So when I first retired back in 2012, my goal was 24 trips in 24 months, all volunteer. Um, and I did about 18 in 24 months, just volunteer trips around the world. Wow. It was fantastic. I've had to cut back to about um, four to six trips volunteer around the world, but I still did every year. And they're long trips. I mean, yeah. they're two, three weeks. So Yeah, you're gone a while. Yeah. So, but it's a lot of fun. I get to see what it's like in other places around the world. Yeah. And one of the cool things is, is when you're doing a volunteer vacation or a volunteer trip, you're not in a resort yeah. swimming by the pool right. and <laughs> sipping cocktails. You're meeting the people. You're seeing what it's like to live in that community. You're eating the same food they eat and you're drinking the same drinks they drink. And it's amazing the cultures that you learn, yeah. I mean, from Vietnam to Thailand, Romania, Guatemala, mm. uh, Haiti, all over the world, I've been blessed to be able to see how other people live in other cultures, and it's really amazing. If you had to highlight one of your trips, um, tell us about that. You know, you've been done so many, and I'm not saying favorites because it's probably hard to say that. Um, but is there a trip that stands out to you where you're volunteering? Well, the most recent trip where it stands out to me is um, Romania uh, because it borders Ukraine. Yeah. And I've been there eight or nine times, and we were doing work in a small Roma village where there's a lot of unemployment and a lot of kids who leave school as early as fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So we're building a community center there, and we're working with the kids to try to keep them in school and get an education so they don't wind up in poverty at the end of their lives. Uh, but this year, we had to change things up because there's been a massive influx of Ukrainian refugees from the war mm -hmm. that have come into Brashov, which is where we stay. And we started working in the Ukrainian Refugee Center. And after about two or three days there, uh, they said we have a need for generators and food and uh, medical supplies uh, about an hour over the border into Ukraine, but we don't have the money for the generators. So if we can raise the money for the generators, maybe we can go. And I right. said, well... I'm sure we could raise the money, and we did raise $5,000 for generators. So we loaded 10 generators and a bunch of pampers and a bunch of food and a bunch of medical supplies to drive over the border into Ukraine. It was supposed to be a real quick stop and drop. It's, it was an eight-hour drive to the border, an hour over the border, an hour to drop all our stuff, and an mm -hmm. hour back just in and out. Wow. <coughs> I say that because you know I'm married, and my wife did not want me going to the Ukraine yeah. for it. Uh, any reason Well, whatsoever. I'm just sitting here thinking yeah. that you're crossing the border, going into, I didn't realize that you actually went into the Ukraine. Oh, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. at the time you went, if I recall, it was really at the height of it. It was still very new and very talked about. Well, it's still. It's still going on, yeah. but yeah. this is Now, the place where first. we were going was the place where the refugees go. So it was about 700 kilometers away from the nearest fighting is what they told me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. And, and we get over the border, 
Uh, we make it to where we're going to stop. And one of the things I learned is I was the first American to visit that part of the country since the war broke out. Wow. So they just made a big deal out of the fact that the Americans here to help. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, and it, it occurred to me that I was being used as propaganda in a war. Mm. I get that. The most important thing for me is I was getting relief supplies to people who needed. I mean, the generators were going to hospitals and orphanages yeah. and um, – refugee centers, mm -hmm. because when the power grid goes out, they still need power, and that's what our generators were doing. So it was really cool that that's what I raised money for, and that's yeah. what we're doing. I love that. But I got there, and the three-hour uh, stop and drop turned into a two-day trip oh, wow. because they wanted to take me all over the area to show off the American and oh, to wow. show me what they were doing. But literally, there were photo opportunities everywhere we went. They would have these lavish parties, and I felt really guilty about this because these people who are, have huge food shortages would lay out these amazing, bountiful buffets, probably more food than they would use in two weeks, mm. uh, just to show. Oh, wow. But while we're sitting there talking, one of the younger priests let slip that uh, we prayed for you today because you made it. And I said, well, of course you made it. We had no traffic problems, nothing at all. And he said, well, no. Uh, three of our last four or five drivers and crews have been kidnapped by the Russians and they're in wow. prison. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, well, Don, oh, man. No, no one told you us that. You wait until you got home to tell your wife <laughs> oh, that, of course. Well, one of the good news is be, uh, I had to black out my phone um, for operational security mm -hmm. because the, if, the NSA, if our NSA can track cell phone traffic around the world, yeah. so can the Russians. Sure. So I did nothing at all on telephone yeah. until I got back over the border. But also later on at a different location, uh, they were talking about, we haven't had any shelling recently. And I said, I'm sorry, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was told the nearest fighting was 700 kilometers away. Yeah. And I said, oh yeah, the, the fighting's 700 kilometers away, but we've had shelling about 20 kilometers. Wow. That's 12 miles. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, great. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and this is, well, don't worry, no one's died in the shelling. Oh, good. <laughs> so, well, good. And but, you won't be the first. But honestly, so that's, that's, what they're dealing with. That's their way of life. Wow. And when I talk to you about when you do these trips, you get to see how regular people live. That's how they live, knowing that they're shelling 20 kilometers away. There's nothing they can do about it. So you know what? Let's just live our lives. They just keep going. And we lived our lives. And wow. it was just a fascinating, wonderful experience. The most heartbreaking and um, heartwarming experience was we visited a war orphanage. And when I say a war oh. orphanage, it's a beautiful facility it's run by the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. It was 72 children, all of whom had lost both their parents to the war already. Mm. Oh, no. And can you imagine, in four months, 72 kids, and they were the most beautiful children, just gorgeous. Mm. Um, I ended up, we were only supposed to make a 15-minute stop there, but I ended up playing soccer with four or five of the boys because, honestly, they hadn't had a male right. role model there in four months. Mm -hmm. It's run by nuns, so... Yeah. Gotcha. All they had was women around, so I just stayed and played with them Aww. for about an hour and a half. We just had a ball. Mm -hmm. um, another thing I've learned in all my travels, if you can learn 
please, thank you, yes, no, just like 10 simple words in any language. You can communicate with anybody, anybody. in the world. Mm-hmm. That and your so, body language. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Yep. And you're there. And you, and you can talk with your hands, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, so I was communicating with these kids because they spoke Ukrainian, which I didn't speak, mm-hmm. but I had about a 15 vocabulary word uh, Russian, and mm-hmm. they could speak Russian. Uh, okay. Uh, and so we would communicate in Russian and... Sign language, and it was just really cool. We had a fantastic time for an hour and a half. And again, these are kids who lost both parents to a war that no one should be fighting right now. And so I was honored to be able to take part in that and and to help these kids out and just give them a little happiness for a little while. Yeah, Yeah. and how resilient children are. I mean, that heartbreaking situation and Mm -hmm. the best part of, gosh, I don't know how many days probably was you playing soccer with them. (laughs) That's amazing. What an incredible... um, opportunity and many of them that you've had traveling abroad as well. So if we go back to taking action, Mm -hmm. that's why I wanted you to come sit with us because you're one person who understands what taking action is all about, um, both here locally. Um, If someone, so locally, we know that you're speeding Tampa Bay and a number of our partners. um, But if someone wanted to do the abroad volunteering, what is your suggestion? How did, where did, who they connect with? Well, you can go online and type in a Google search, volunteer vacations, and a bunch of places will pop up. I work with one agency primarily, although I work with four or five, but the one I go with most is called Globe Aware. Uh, Globe like the earth, aware like be aware of something. Globeaware.com. They're based in Dallas, and all they do is volunteer vacations around the world. They arrange volunteer vacations in about 20 different countries. And I've been to about eight or nine countries through them. Wow. Uh, you still have to pay, but you don't pay a lot. Sure, I mean, sure. Uh, for f- and then that because it's with an, an agency, like you're mentioning, they've vetted all the opportunities, made sure, you know, except things clearly can go awry a little bit, but you kind of safe zones and things like that. Now, that that last vacation, the Ukraine was not global war. But yeah, mm. when you go with an agency like that or a volunteer vacation agency, the number one thing is, first of all, um, they know where you are at all times. They know where you're going at all times. They know that you will have an English-speaking guide when you get there. They know you will have a safe place to stay with clean drinking water, also very important everywhere mm-hmm. you go. Uh, they know that you will have three square meals a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner will always be taken care of. They know that you will have the opportunity, in addition to volunteering, to um, take part in cultural activities that uh, are very important to these communities. It could be um, dancing in Guatemala, it could be riding an elephant in Thailand, and or working in the elephant farm in Thailand, anything like that. Um, so there's always a chance to see museums and all kinds of cool things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can help people. Yeah. And their motto is, have fun, help people. Mm. And I use that all the time, <laughs> that you can have fun and help people right. at the same time. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah, it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. What, um, wow, what a beautiful way that you live. <laughs> I always hear people uh, say, boy, you're living the dream. And I am living the dream. Yeah. I get to go where I want, when I want. Uh, have fun, help people, and it's just so amazing to be able to do it. I'm very, very lucky. I really am. (laughs) Well, we're really lucky to have you, Um, and I know so many of those in our care appreciate you as a friend um, and probably the tons of food over the years that you've helped get back out into the community. Um, I think my last question, because you have been here, and this just kind of popped into my head, what is the change that you've seen in hunger relief since you started? 
it's become know? far more sophisticated, far more advanced, and far better. When I first started here, um, the the agencies who came to shop were shopping off the warehouse floor, mm-hmm. picking uh, this and that out of an old banana box filled with who knows what. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's just beautiful how they're shopping. Yeah. They, they buy fresh produce. They don't buy. They get fresh produce right. mm-hmm. and bread and milk and cheese, all the things right. they need for their agencies. Um, and it's just, it's fresher, cleaner. It's better. And mm. just, right. It's really improved in 10 More years. More thoughtful in yeah. the 10 years. You know, um, you, as a volunteer here and, um, you know, we've obviously, Ev, we've put our time in and leaned in if we needed to, especially during the pandemic. So much thought is going into boxes, how we pack, mm-hmm. uh, the safety, making sure that something doesn't go on you their shelves that wouldn't be on our own. You know, it's just being considerate, kind, and understanding, which will continues to lead to taking that stigma away, which funny. I've seen. You've probably seen a big change in that. When the volunteers come here and they're sorting vegetables or something like that, uh, and they say, how do I know if something's bad? And I look at them and say, if you wouldn't eat it at home, yeah. we're going to throw it away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I had one kid start dumping broccoli left and right. And I said, what do you get rid of the broccoli for? It's very good. I won't eat this stuff. I don't like broccoli. That's <laughs> so great. Let me rephrase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. Oh. And he's got the, the Pop-Tarts and all yeah. the good yeah. things over here, right? All the good stuff yeah, is gone. Keep these, keep these. Oh, my God. I love it. Well, Don, thank you so much for taking your time to sit down with us. You know, we want people during this month to realize that hunger still exists. Um, It's addressable. Feeding Tampa Bay, we're on our way to a hunger-free Tampa Bay, which actually means that food, they're going to be hungry people, but people will have access to food from where they are in the best way possible. And you help us do that. Can I hijack the show for 30 seconds? Mm -hmm. You can. I don't care where you volunteer or how you volunteer. Everybody has the ability to volunteer. Yeah. Everybody is better off than some other person. So if food is not your thing because you just, uh, everyone should be able to get their own food, maybe your your thing is you like kids and you can read to children. I guarantee you every kindergarten class in Tampa Bay needs a volunteer to come in and read yeah. stories to kids. Every single one There's of them. There's a place you can, for you. You can do that. If if you get sick of seeing trash by the side of the road, keep Pinellas beautiful, keep Tampa Bay beautiful. Would love for you to join their organization. They'll even yeah. give you the supplies and gloves you need to pick up trash off the side of the road. So there's something for everybody. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing that I wanted to bring today yeah. is everybody can give. Right. And it's best when it comes from the heart. It's yeah. something that interests you and exactly. you understand. Find your passion. Yeah. If you're passionate about it, find a way to give back. Yep. Well, on that, there's nothing more we need to say. (laughs) And that's what we want you to do, Tampa Bay. And whoever's listening is get in your community, find the space for you, and give back. It's the greatest gift you'll actually give to yourself. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Don, for being with us. And we'll talk to you later. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.